And now before Philip comes to preach to us, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And please follow along on a pew Bible, your phone, or on one of the big screens. So that's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks, Graham. Good morning. It is lovely to be back with you, to uh, meet with you again. Um, it is really good um, to, to do that. Um, I just want, obviously we're going to be focusing this morning on your series in clarity uh, in the mystery as we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I suppose for me I, I was wanting to kind of say thank you to you. I look back on the time in our vacancy uh, whenever God was really good, really faithful and encouraging and, and you certainly were encouraging as a congregation to me as convener as we worked together to obviously God lead us to the point where we're at now and, and you have uh, Stuart as your minister. Everybody else seems to have introduced themselves so I'll, I'll do this. I'm Philip McRae and I'm minister in Rosemary Congregation down in North Belfast and just filling in for Stuart today. Uh, to be looking forward to getting him back next week. It is really good to be with you uh, to share uh, what God is going to say. I suppose for me this passage that, that I've been given to, to speak about, it's one of those passages, you, if you ever want to make a Christian feel guilty, you talk about prayer. Paul was making a confession there earlier on. Well, certainly I, I confess, I'm not really, in terms of prayer, uh, you know, we all can feel that sense of, well, gosh, we could be doing this more. And, and, and my, my task this morning is not to make you feel guilty. I don't want to do that. Because that really goes nowhere. I want to encourage you. And through this passage, I think we get a lot of encouragement about prayer, about coming before God. So hopefully that will be the, the, the purpose of what we're going to do this morning. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 to 23 that Graham read for us. Paul was, as I'm sure you've already discovered, Paul was in prison in Rome whenever he was writing to the Ephesians. Life was not exactly the way he wanted it. But this piece of writing tells us that he was not going to wallow in self-pity or allow his own personal circumstances to dictate his relationship with God or what he was going to say to anybody else. Paul seems to be actually more concerned about the Ephesians and what God is doing in their lives 
than he is about his own life. And so he comes to pray for them. But notice the, the consistency with which he's praying for them. He says he's constantly remembering them. As, as he seems to be doing with all the other churches that he's in contact with, this guy seems to be praying constantly. Later he tells the Ephesians, pray at all times. I suppose he's saying that because whenever we come to pray, it's a recognition on our part of our total dependence on God. That by the act of praying and talking to God, we are saying to ourselves, I can't do this. This is not about me. I want God to be in this. I want him to be in control of my life. I suppose our tendency is maybe that we want to sort things out ourselves. We want to fix things. We want to go and get things organized the way we want them to. And then maybe even as a last resort, we think, well, okay, God, I can't fix this. Maybe you'll do it. Coming to God in prayer is a recognition that we depend on him for everything. And that's what Paul is doing here as he comes to pray for the Ephesians. He's not only wanting God to work in his own life, but he's wanting God to work in the life of the Ephesians. But also, his, he has a priority here whenever he says that his prayers are made with thanksgiving. You see, this is a church which is struggling with persecution and various powers of evil are at work in their lives. But even in that context, he has heard two things in their lives which indicate that God is at work and it creates within him a sense of gratitude. As I said, to look back on our time during the vacancy with gratitude to God because of the way in which God was working in your lives and also in mine. And for Paul here, this sense of gratitude comes because he says, look, it's your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, despite all that's going on around you. I can see that, I've heard about that faith growing, despite the negativity. And also, your love for each other. That gives me a sense that God is doing something in you. And that's why I'm grateful to him. That's why I can come before him and give thanks. Isn't it encouraging that those two things, their faith in Christ and their love for each other. I want to encourage you. Here in Carmoney, we've been through the vacancy. And some of you have been through particularly difficult experiences in your lives in recent years. And yet, I'm able to rejoice. We're able to rejoice in the way in which God has brought you through that. Your faith in him and your love for one another in Christ is growing. And the truth of the matter is that that can only be the work of our amazing God. That's why it's gratitude. I can see that. 
I can see that in your lives. And we can rejoice in it. But Paul is also aware that this spiritual growth and the working out of their ministry in the gospel of Jesus Christ can only happen through the grace and the generosity of God because he answers the prayers of his people who are calling out to him, like Paul. He's very conscious of that, that that their Christian lives will only grow, that their ministry that God has called them to as a church in Ephesus can only happen as God's people pray and God hears and answers those prayers. It is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory that he refers to, who calls us to pray. He hears and promises to answer our prayers and work out those prayers according to his will and purpose, which is perfect. Isn't that why we love to pray? Because we know that God hears and answers our prayer. It's not because we we feel bad. It's not because we want to to gain gain credit points with God or, or so that he'll bless us more because we've prayed more. No. We believe that God is good, that he hears our prayers and he will answer them. You see, this is about our connection with God and sharing our hearts with him, seeking his his presence and his empowering. We sang that song last Sunday morning in, in church. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And that, that's what this is about. That's why Paul comes acknowledging God in his life and praying because strength rises as we wait upon God for his timing and his action. So important as to why we pray for one another showing our dependence on him to work in all areas of our lives to grow his kingdom, whether that be individually or whether it be as a church. If we desire to see God at work, then we commit to praying individually and together. You know, and I always try to encourage our our folk in in Rosemary, you know, some people kind of maybe get a wee bit uptight whenever somebody says, why don't you come to to pray with us. Oh gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't speak out loud. I couldn't. The, the reality is that you, by your presence there, whether you speak or remain quiet before God, just praying in your heart and mind, it really is not that important. The fact of your presence there shows the priority that you place in that. And that you're actually with those who are praying. When we are together believing that God will act, as we pray to him, amazing things will happen. It's been brilliant hearing about your hundred days of prayer that you've had. Committed to seeking God for a hundred days as you seek his presence. I want to encourage you to continue that. Get engaged in that if you're not already. And maybe even continue it even after the 100 days. I suppose whenever I was thinking about this and thinking about really wanting to see God at work, I started thinking about, you remember in Acts 12, whenever uh, the, Peter uh, is in prison and the early church are meeting together and, and they're praying for Peter. 
that God would be with him and that God would maybe release him from prison and that things would, amazing things would happen. And all of a sudden as they're praying, there's a knock at the door. And Rhoda gets up and goes over. To, and she's so shocked and taken aback that Peter's at the door that she forgets to actually open it. She goes back to the rest of them and says, those who are praying, says, Peter's here. And the others are so shocked, they say to her, like, you're out of your mind. I mean, actually, they had been praying that God would release him, praying for Peter, and whenever they have the answer to prayer, they're kind of shocked that God has actually heard and answered their prayers. Paul here is encouraging us to pray because of the one that we pray to. He longs for us to talk to him. But you've, you've already been started in this series and, and in chapter one, you'll have discovered how God has blessed us with everything that we need for our lives and everything that we need to follow him. Blessed in the spiritual realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're reminded that we are chosen by him. We're adopted as his children. We're redeemed that he has revealed himself to us and he's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit as a deposit guarantee in our future inheritance, our future union with him for eternity. Gosh, there's so much in that. So much to, to think over, meditate on, pray. I mean, I sometimes use that whenever I'm praying just to allow me to be directed to what God is doing and has done in my life. But Paul wants the Ephesians to live their lives in the reality of those truths. He doesn't want just them just to know them and to have heard them. And maybe even to, yeah, I think those are good. Those are right. He's now going to pray that they will experience them as a reality in their lives. He wants them to experience the new life in Christ, the fullness of life, for those who believe in him. And so through this passage that Graham read for us, we're going to see the reality of the chapter one working out as Paul prays. So what does he pray for? Because I think, I think this is really important for us because then we can take some of the things that Paul prays for the Ephesians and pray them for each other. I can pray them for you. You can pray them for me. We can pray them for, together for, for the church. I can pray them for Rosemary and, and Carmoni. And you can pray them for Carmoni and, and for others as well. First request. Paul's first request is that they would know Jesus better. Wow, what a request. The Ephesians need to grow in their understanding and experience of Jesus. He prays that they experience the spirit of wisdom and vision or revelation to be able to see and know Jesus more clearly. This is a prayer that the spirit would reveal Jesus to them and that they would know him better. That they would understand the implications of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way which will totally transform their lives. The Ephesians have been told that they have all they need uh, for their spiritual lives in Ephesians 1, but now 
these truths are to be discovered every day as they have Jesus revealed to them. Paul, Paul prays the same for the Colossians. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Continually, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That they would know Jesus and that that would transform their lives. That they would discover who he is what he came to do and what he has accomplished on our behalf. And so as Jesus is magnified in our lives and we are drawn closer to him, we are able to see him more clearly and maybe even love him more. And so we discover his love for us. As, as the spirit reveals Jesus to us, we discover more of the love that he has for us. And Paul says, that love compels me to love him and to serve him. And sometimes that means putting ourselves in the place where the Spirit of God is able to, to help us to move closer to Jesus. Maybe that's the challenge for this week. What sort of places can I put myself in that will enable the Spirit of God to reveal Jesus so I can love him more. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's talking to a friend about your spiritual experience. Maybe it's sitting down and thinking through your experience and, and what God is trying to teach you. This week, I've been reading a book. And uh, it's a book uh, by a guy called Paul Tripp. And it's called Lead. It's been really encouraging. And God has really spoken to me through it, I suppose. And, and the truth of what I'm talking about here has, has been happening, where I've been so encouraged. And, and what he's been, what the Spirit of God through Paul Tripp has shown me about Jesus has enabled me to kind of love him more. Sometimes as we read our Bibles and we, God really just speaks to us and by his spirit takes some truth that we've just read and just magnifies it in our lives and we think, wow, that is incredible. Are you putting yourself in the place where the spirit of God is able to reveal Jesus to you? Seek it. Allow him to give that opportunity. And so let's pray for one another that we would experience the spirit of Jesus a spirit of Christ revealing Jesus to us so we can know him better and discover the richness of the good news in our lives. But then Paul also prays for a clearer vision of the hope that they've been called to. I love some of those ads, you know, where somebody does something and obviously they've missed, they've not seen and yet you get the comment that it should have gone to Specsavers because the vision is not clear and needs to be sorted out. I think I probably, at times we need to get new uh, glasses and sometimes the words become a bit smaller than they should be and less clear but here he's saying, praying for a clearer vision. A clearer vision of the hope to which they've been called. He prays that their eyes, the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened to know the hope 
that they've been called to understand it and how to live out in their lives. I suppose it's to be able to see more clearly what God has done in their lives. Because Paul has reminded them about what they're like, what they were like before they came to faith. The state of their hearts, being in darkness, alienated from God, without God and without hope in the world. That's the reality of where they were. And, and trying to understand gospel truths, trying to understand hope in that is impossible. You can't do it. But as scripture reminds us, Jesus is the light. And he's able to shine that light into our hearts to give us clarity in the mystery. There, I've used the term. He's able to give us clarity in the mystery of the gospel. And clarity in the mystery of our own lives even. He's able to light up our darkness. To transform our experience through the hope to which we have been called. Paul here is really effectively praying for the Ephesians that they would see the bigger picture of what God is hoping and what God is doing in the lives of his people. It's not just about an individual experience. It's about God gathering a people for himself whom he's going to work with. And that that hope begins right now in our lives as he shines his light giving us a new perspective and a new purpose and it's a hope for the future as he assures us of eternity with him that hope centers in the fact of Christ being victorious conquering sin and death and Satan that his victory in the cross enables us to be victorious Paul tells the Colossians that through faith God has transferred us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his son. That's the hope that we have. And rather than living lives which portray discouragement and defeat, we realize that Christ leads us to victory, both now and in eternity. He leads us into victory over anything that would try to enslave us so we are free in him to serve. Can we pray for each other that we would have that clearer vision of the hope to which we are called? Of the victorious Christ? Of the one who leads us in triumphal procession? Of the one who gives us victory now? as well as in eternity. Yeah, there will be those times of a discouragement and times whenever we will feel defeated and downcast. And yet this is what encourages us. The hope to which we are called. The hope of the one who is victorious over all things. Paul then also goes on to pray and I think this is important for us this morning in Carn Money, and for you in Carn Money, and, and for us too in Rosemary. Paul prays that the Ephesians would realize how valued they are. He, re- he wants them to realize how valued they are. 
We all value various things in our lives. Sometimes those things that we value can change from one day to the next, and maybe it's the newest thing that we have that we value. And sometimes maybe the thing that we valued doesn't contain the sparkle that it did at first. Maybe it's a car, maybe it's a phone, maybe it's a computer, maybe it's a bike, maybe it's something else. We value them, but, but sometimes they lose their value. The value that God places on us never changes, despite us. His love for us does not yo-yo up and down, depending on how we are, on how we feel, and whether we think he loves us or not. God's love is faithful and consistent. But here, Paul specifically prays for a realization of the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is a prayer that the Ephesians will realize who they are in Christ and how they are part of God's plan for the world together. This is not about realizing the importance of going to church or making sure that we sing the right things or that we're getting stuff out of the service. That's not what this is about. Behind this prayer is a realization that God through Christ, has built a community of sinners. People who have been saved by him. Whom he has chosen as his family and through whom he wants to communicate his message to the world. This is about realizing that God has brought together a group of people who come together to praise honor and worship him to give him his worth. It's about a group of people brought together through the working of the Holy Spirit to share a common love for Jesus and a common love for one another in obedience to his command. So it's a group of people coming together for worship. It's a group of people coming together for fellowship but also about a group of people who have come together to share the good news of Jesus Christ. To witness to what he has done in their lives, individually and corporately. It's about a group of people who come together, who gather for worship and for fellowship and who scatter for witness. And God says, I value you because that's what I've asked you to do. It's easy to be negative about church, isn't it? And various things. And yet, the truth is one of the things that I read in Paul Tripp this week which really encouraged me. You know, the church should be the safest place on earth for those who are called to follow Jesus Christ and even also for those who are not. Because it's within the body of Christ that we experience the grace of God. We are all sinners together having been brought together by him. 
So therefore that means that this morning there is nothing that I can tell you and nothing that you can tell me about yourself that is not covered by the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what makes it a safe place, isn't it? Nothing you can tell me. Nothing I can tell. I mean, I, I've confessed my failure in a sense of prayer in the way I want to, want to pray. We all confess our failures. But church is a safe place because everything is covered as we come and we confess before God and one another our sin. And there is nothing that cannot be covered as we confess by Christ. Do you know how much you're valued by God? Not just individual, because we tend to make this individual at times. But that you're valued as a church, as a people. Because God, in his bigger plan, has a plan that we share his good news and share his message as his people. That he's the one who values us as we come, as we gather for worship and fellowship and we scatter for witness. Let's pray for one another in that way. Realizing our value and realizing our calling. But the, the last thing that Paul prays for is he prays for a knowledge of God's power for those who believe. It's this power that he says, which raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of God, where he is seated as King of kings and Lord of lords. It's been suggested, as one of the things I read this week, that the Ephesians came to faith from a background of magic or the cults or, or belief in astrology. And those hostile powers were working against the gospel, making it difficult for these believers. And that, that's the context of... And that's why Paul speaks in Ephesians 6 about the spiritual warfare and, and that's going on in, in their lives. But what a prayer in that context. To pray that they would know the power of God which actually raised Jesus from the dead. There is no power greater, no enemy greater than the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and exalted him to be seated at the right hand of the Father. There are some number of words that are used for power in, in the New Testament. I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, but one of, one of the words that I love uh, is the word dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite, uh, which shows the, the power that God has, power of the gospel used. But the, the word here, I think, is the word energia, which is from which we get our word energy. And so therefore, God's power at work in our lives is God's energy in us so God is able to energize us as we seek to serve him energize us as we face the powers and the situations and circumstances that maybe even we struggle with 
And so Paul tells, he's, he's praying for the, the Ephesians here about God's power. But he also tells the Philippians that he wants to know Christ and the power of the resurrection in his life. Because God is able to make us alive in Christ. He's able to breathe life into us as we follow him. He's also able to raise us from the dead as he did with Christ who was the first fruit of all who would believe. And so God's power was working in Jesus Christ. But as we think about that power, Paul explains for us what God has done in Christ. That Christ is alive. God is able to move him from a tomb to a throne. He's exalted at the right hand of the Father, having completed the task set before him and having been victorious over death. He possesses the full authority of the Father and is supreme above every other power in heaven and earth. He's in charge of all that we see above us, all that we see around us, and all that we see below us. He's the head of the church, his body. And through his body, he communicates with the world and acts to display his character and his power. We have confidence this morning in this God who raised Jesus from the dead and in his power. What an encouragement. What a thing to be praying for the people of God. And I want to encourage you again to pray for those around you, to pray for your church, that they would know the power of God, God's energy, as they seek to serve him. Yes, we might experience testing tough times, testing trials, but we know who is available to walk with us. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is God's energy that helps us. And if God, can, God is for us, who can be against us? What a prayer. What a prayer for the Ephesians that we can know the reality of that prayer. And we also want to pray for one another. That we would know and love Jesus. That we would experience God's power and energy in our lives. That we would feel valued. And that we would know that God values us too, as we go and serve him. As his community of believers called to do his work. Let's continue. You've had your hundred days of prayer. Let's continue that prayer. Let's keep that focus to make sure that we sense God's presence in all that we're doing. So let's, let's commit this to God. Let's pray together. Father, we turn to you this morning and we thank you for your word and for the encouragement that you give to us. We realize that each of us, that we don't pray half as much as we should. And Father, sometimes if we do pray, it becomes all about us. Sometimes if we pray, we're focused on, on, on duty and regulation. And, and Father, sometimes we just miss the fact that you want us to open up our hearts to you. 
you want us to seek you and you and and father the power that is available to us as we pray that you're able to work not only in our hearts and lives but in the hearts and lives of others in this community here in in Carmoney. and so father we pray that you would help us that as we love you more as the spirit reveals jesus to us that we might have that concern to come close to you to talk with you, to open up our hearts to you, to run things past you, to really engage you in every conversation that we have so we might know you at work in our hearts and lives. So we ask that you would hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.